This is the Best Boys Podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hey, Laura. Hey, Laura. I thought I lost my dog. I was like, where's Carrie? Where would she have gone, Monica? <gasps> hey, didn't that come out on that TV show? People are like, where's Carrie? But it's not, it was not Carrie. It was someone else's name. It was also an animal, also on four legs, but then eventually came up on two legs. Where's Carrie? But Barney? where's Perry? Thank you. Is this from? This is from Phineas. Yes. And well, Ferb. So I, well, I would argue that you and your husband have watched far more Phineas and Ferb than you know, most people are. I age. actually have not. I actually have not. So I've never seen the movies. I've never. I have. And I think I, I've seen one episode of the show. I've also never seen. I didn't even know that there were multiple movies when Aaron told me that there were multiple. You've movies. definitely seen one of them, though. He made you watch it. The one that came out on Disney Plus. Did he not tell you I fell asleep? Well, yeah, but like, I mean, you were there. I was there. The My body was, was there. <laughs> My body was there. My spirit was gone. My spirit <laughs> gone. Mind asleep. Body there. <laughs> Monica, we have to update the vis the the visors. The vi- I thought you were going to say the vistas, the oh. viewers and the listeners, and I combined it on accident. The visters, the visinas. Um, we have to update the listeners on our cup situation. Oh yeah, so um, <laughs> I guess like a little over a couple weeks ago. So we ordered them last week, but we forgot to. Announce yeah. It. So okay, so mm, I would say about three weeks ago. Uh, Jessica noticed like one of my cups and asked me if it was a knockoff of a Stanley cup. And I was like, yeah, it is. And we realized that like, we could just buy them. Yeah. That like, we could literally just buy them because all of the kids online on TikTok all have these like Stanley Stanley cups cups. and they're, but they only have like the aesthetic ones. Like they don't have like the ugly colors. Well, they were sold out of every color. Yeah, they were. And so we went on the website, they were sold out of every color. Jessica found them on Williams-Sonoma or I found them on Williams-Sonoma, but they were, you could pre-order them for January. Absolutely not. And then we found Uh, one color on Urban Outfitters. Yeah, it was on Urban Outfitters, but then it was not like, I tried to buy them and- they would not, it would not like let me put them in the cart because it said that they were sold out, but then you would go back on the website and they yeah. weren't, it was very weird. And then all of a sudden I, an influencer announced they're back in four colors. So I went and they were kind of ugly colors, not going to lie, but I wanted the cup. I wanted the cup so bad. So we both capitalism. Picked, yeah, I know literally <laughs> we're in the hellscape known as late stage capitalism here in America. Yeah. 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 So um, long story short, I texted Monica and I was like, they're back. And then we both went on the website, bought the cup in the same color, but like not knowing that we got them in the same color. Yeah. I think it's because it was literally the least offensive color. It was either black or this. Or this. Yeah. Because the other ones were just not going to happen. It was ugly. It was like they a were gross disgusting. blue and like white, which I don't like. No, the white wasn't even available. Like oh. not, none of them were available. Only the black I think black white one. was available when I bought mine. Because oh. I bought mine before I texted you. But the white had like a pink logo on it. It was weird. Oh. Like it was not a cute white. Well, anyway, we both have Stanley Cups. They are the same. So um, TBD if we mix them up. So it almost fun. happened today. And the only reason why we were able to able to unmix them. Yeah. To rectify yeah. the situation. Yeah. Uh, was because Jessica has sleuthing abilities from her time at USC. and uh, <laughs> No, it's because I have eyes. And I know that sometimes I wear lipstick and you don't. I, I don't. So- I have never liked to wear lipstick. I very rarely used to wear lipstick. Um, and I, it's because like, I don't know what it is 
Uh, but like anything on my lips makes me want to like itch them off. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for listening. You're you know, welcome. I feel like your therapy skills are really starting to like yeah, come really to the to surface. Show. Yeah. It's really pulling things out of me. <laughs> Just really deep things. Except for when you pretend you can't hear my <laughs> poignant questions. I literally did not hear. I heard wah, 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 socioeconomic status. <laughs> literally like whatever <laughs> it is what it is uh hi monica hello jessica how, how are, are you, you? Oh. oh them's fighting words when we both say them at the same time i get very competitive <laughs> i'm fine how are you uh, i fine. am i'm fine wow nothing remarkable has happened in the past like week or so i've washed my hair twice and neither time did it come out good so that really pissed me off well yeah it's okay. The same thing happened to me. If I don't like, if it doesn't air dry a certain way, I get a bunch of baby hairs and then it's kind of over for me. Yeah. I got really pissed and, and this is okay. This is really first world problems, but I noticed I was out of my curl cream. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to CVS. I'm going to get my curl cream, go to CVS, get the curl cream, get home in the shower, putting about to put the cream in, look at the bottle. Cause I was like, this is a weird consistency. Look at the bottle. I accidentally bought conditioner and not the curl cream. So I didn't have any cream <laughs> and I had an extra bottle of conditioner. I don't like, you know what? That was on you. I know that was fully on you. I know I didn't use my eyes. Like I can understand if you get to CVS and then they don't have you curl cream, but they, I don't, but the they is, did. I don't know if just, they did. Well, now I'm did looking, I'm, then, I'm looking back and I'm like, did they have it or was it just the same shape bottle? And it was the shampoo and conditioner. I don't know. I don't know. This is what keeps me up at night. What does the curl cream represent for you? Um, vanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that deep. No, no, no. What, how was your week, Van Monica? My week was good uh frankly a blur it's around the fall time where things start to get like so like mm. see i do this thing where i go like oh it's getting really busy for me but it's like i it's just always, it's busy. always busy there are frankly i should say like i should indicate the pockets of time that have slowed down sure i think that that would make it a lot better yeah like my work typically will slow down in november around thanksgiving right uh and then it'll slow down around christmas okay and then i'm I'll typically like be out for like two weeks I see. Um, and that's when I like clean my house and like organize my closets for the new year mm-hmm. and watch like the fireworks on the TV at nine and, and do your vision board. Yes. And do my vision board, which I've if you're not a vision board, if you're not vision boarding, you're not living. <laughs> I've never done a vision board. Why not? I never thought to. Well, I was never invited to your vision board party. No, I didn't even have a vision board party. I literally didn't even have one. What an what an accusation, Jessica. All of my vision board parties are by myself. Well, it's then me. Let's turn it it's into just a party. Me. It's me, Adobe photos, like stock photos. Uh-huh. And your vision. And my vision. <laughs> and Photoshop. <laughs> uh, okay, well, maybe we can have a vision board party this year. Yeah. And we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to the show. This is the third episode in our Nicole Kidman series. I agree. One of, <laughs> you, I agree with that fact. I, you know what? I'm Fawn Moscato and I agree with that fact. <laughs> um, and we have one more after this. So this is number three, three of four, before we move on to our October daddy, which TBD. Decide. Um, you mean October beast boy. The, oh my God. You're right. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. This keeps happening. It's going to take a while. It it will. It's kind of like, The I word daddy really lives in my soul. It's like when your parents get divorced and you have to kind of be like, at my dad's house? I mean, Question mark? Well, they're still your dad. Yeah, but his house? I think it's more <laughs> like if your mom gets a new boyfriend and he oh. moves in and you're like, do I call him dad or do I call him Jim? I don't know. <laughs> do I call him dad or do I call him Jim? <laughs> I what I really recommend is calling him Jim when his name is not Jim. Oh, see, that's very like teenage, like that's very parent trap vibes. Yeah. It's very much like Jim. My name is not Jim, Jessica. <laughs> it's Patrick. Sure it isn't. <laughs> sure it isn't. <laughs> All right, Jimbo. <laughs> oh right, that was the last guy. <laughs> oh my gosh! But anyway, <laughs> circling it back to Mrs. Nicole, Mrs. Mrs. Nicole, Mrs. Nicole Kidman, married to once again Keith, Keith Urban, <laughs> with his flat ironed hair, with his soccer mom haircut, I just can't. and his little soul patch. Name a Keith Urban song. Um, blue didn't blue looks good on the sky looks good on that neon hanging on the wall but darling it don't match your eyes what the fuck yeah. how do you know this song i just know that song that's the only song i know by him i was gonna say i don't know any songs by keith Urban. well you'll be singing out i just i just know all of the like country songs that I like use to make fun of things. Yeah. Such as like red solo cup. I'll feel you up. What's the one about the truck that you like? Uh, I don't know. But right now the, the song that's coming to mind is about the rain. The one right. that's like rain makes corn. Yeah, that one. Corn makes <laughs> whiskey. whiskey. Whiskey makes my baby. Feel Hello, a little frisky. <laughs> that's a good one to like it but, but you have to like bring it out when it's like a really awkward lull in the conversation right and you're just like hanging around everyone you're at a party everyone's like having a good time and like it's like kind of quiet and all of a sudden you're like under your breath like rain makes corn corn makes whiskey whiskey makes my baby Feel a little frisky. and then it's a conversation starter because people will be like what were you muttering under You're your breath go, one what's that song two why you singing <laughs> why you singing girl <laughs> oh my some god. advice oh my lord 
Okay, uh, Monica, what movie are we talking about today for Miss Nicole? Yes, we are talking about the owls. The, this is the only one we are repeating from our last Nicole episode. It's true. It's this very is exciting. this is a correct fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the hours blew us away last time. Yeah, and you know, spoiler alert, it also blew us away this time. Go figure. We're gonna get into it. I. You know what? Frankly, I think that if you listen to the first episode of The Hours, you're definitely going to be missing out if you choose to skip this episode. Yeah. Because new you know, insights. New insights. Watch for sure. it for a second time. I see new things. I feel new things. Absolutely. I have new appreciation for the prosthetic. Yeah. Here we go. Likewise. This is it. Came on Ready? Give us, give us the lowdown. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the Hours came out in 2002, directed by Stephen Daldry, screenplay by David Hare based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Michael Cunningham. The Hours is the story of three women searching for more potent, meaningful lives. Each is alive at a different time and place. All are linked by their yearnings and their fears. Their stories intertwine and finally come together in a surprising, transcendent moment of shared recognition. Wow. I know. This synopsis is wild. <laughs> okay. So to give you a little bit more clarity, we have three different women. We have Virginia Woolf, the author. 1923. Yes. 1923 slash 1940, whatever the fuck year when she When she decides to end her life. Yes. yes. Um, then we have Miss Laura Brown in 1950 something. 1951. 1951. Uh, and then we have Clarissa Vaughn in 2002 present day 2001 2001 whatever um all of these women very much connected by the book mrs dalloway yes so we're with virginia wolf while she is writing writing mrs dalloway Mm -hmm. then we have laura brown who's reading mrs dalloway Mm -hmm. and then we have clarissa vaughn who in the book actually is referred to as Mrs. Dalloway. Like her chapters always start as Mrs. Dalloway, but her name is Clarissa, like Clarissa Dalloway. And she, uh, her and her best friend have like a very strong connection to the book and to Virginia Woolf and just, they're very literary people. Yeah. yeah. So it's a whole thing. Um, And then there's a little connection between the two of them towards the end of the movie that you get. Um, I would, I would say that this movie distributes the, the emphasis like pretty evenly oh, amongst yeah, these sure, women. Like, sure. um, I wouldn't call anyone like this is the A plot. This is the B plot. Like, it's pretty clear that this, this is just really, really like a series of vignettes. Yes. Um, on this one, it's, a, it's really supposed to be over a one day period mm-hmm. of time. And we, as the audience are really just like looking at we have like a glimpse at like a day in their lives yeah. as opposed to there being like, yes, there is a plot, but it's not the primary focus of the film. The primary focus of the film is to show you like how even across all of these decades, these women are still so connected Mm -hmm. and frankly, that it is hard to live life. (laughs) That life is difficult. That the hours are hard the hour the, the bitch the seconds are hard <laughs> in this movie the milliseconds are fucking hard okay um meryl streep plays clarissa yes and she again like like jessica said like they're very literary people in her world in her circle um and i think they live in new york yeah um and she is taking care of like a dear old friend um played who, by ed harris yes played by a stunning 
Ed Harris, by the way, even in his sickly, sickly state. Yes. Um, and she is caring for her friend who has AIDS. Um, and he is kind of like fighting it a little bit in general. Um, and it's like, it's, it's almost like she is, she's like tending to a, a wounded bird that does not want to be like wounded or viewed right. as a bird. Yeah. Like that's, that's, so that's like kind of the dynamic there in 2001 in yeah. New York city with these, with these fine folk. Yes. Um, so, and, and yeah. he's a writer. Yes. This and friend he's a is a writer and he just won some fancy prize, like the top prize you can get for being a poet. And so she's throwing him this big party for this honor and so that's their storyline. And then you've got Laura Brown in, oh, 19, yes. in 1951, who's played by Julianne Moore. And she's a housewife. And she a housewife. She's pregnant with her second child. Um, and it's her husband, who's John C. Riley. Yes. It's her husband's birthday. <laughs> and so she is staying home with their son to like plan his birthday, like to make his birthday cake. And yes. that's, that's her whole thing. But she's also reading Mrs. Dalloway and is clearly very depressed extremely like to the like to the point where she's almost slightly like house uh what's it like agoraphobic agoraphobic. yes correct she's like slightly agoraphobic she doesn't really go out very much when she does it's like she makes it seem like it's a big hassle like it's very apparent to her that the world does not welcome her in open arms like she feels very small she feels very confined in her space and like a lot of it a lot of um these insights this movie really like shows you it doesn't mm-hmm. really tell you a lot you kind of have to just intuitively know that this woman is like fucking depressed right, yeah. and that she feels like really confined in her space um so anyway that's like a, a small glimmer of what julianne's role in this movie is yeah and then we have nicole kidman as <sighs> virginia wolf who is who we will we will focus most of the conversation on um so she plays virginia wolf the writer, you know her, you love her, You know this bitch. And the first scene in the movie, this is not a spoiler because it's the first fucking scene and also everyone knows Virginia Woolf took her own life. Yes, if you, if you attended any <laughs> classes in high school, <laughs> any English classes, you know yeah. that Virginia Woolf like famously like took her own life. Yes, and so the first scene is her writing her suicide letter to her husband and stepping into the river that she drowns herself in. And then it flashes backwards to 1923 when she's writing Mrs. Dalloway, who at the very famously at the end of the book, um, I was about to say, what's the name of the book? It's fucking Mrs. Dalloway. Cause I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I was like to the lighthouse. I'm stupid. Um, very Mrs. Dalloway in Mrs. Dalloway very famously commits suicide at the end at the end of a book that covers one day so the movie the book like parallels the book yes yes it's all the same and so you take you get through this first day with Nicole with Virginia Woolf right beginning to write Mrs. Dalloway and all of the feelings that she has coming up as she's like thinking about how she's going to write this story and also deciding like, what is the fate of Mrs. Dalloway going to be? That's the big debate in the movie is like, what am I going to do about Mrs. Dalloway? And she really wants Mrs. Dalloway to die. And everyone around her is like, why does Mrs. Dalloway have to die? And that's kind of the message of the entire movie. Yep. It's fantastically done. Incredible symbolism and metaphor, oh, et cetera. It's beautiful. It's also like visually stunning. It's this movie, movie is so gorgeous. And like, 
there are so many motifs that like run throughout the entire film, right. but in the beginning, like the river, like running water in general, like plays yes. like a really big role. Like the like nature, the outside plays a really big role. A lot of a lot of staring out the window in this movie. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> across yeah. all generations. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it is a painfully sad movie i will say i think that it's something that you have to you have to like be in the right mood to watch it without like feeling completely depressed i don't know like i i'm not that depressed by this movie because it talks about like death and life and death in very frank terms i think and like that can be sad and triggering at times but i think when you watch this movie it really like I I think specifically of that scene with Nicole Kidman and her husband arguing at the train station, which is just like the most beautiful scene in this movie where she's talking about how like the one thing that we all have control over and choice over is like our quality of life for the most part. And some people want to continue living and some people people don't. don't and she doesn't say it like that. She says like, um, she says it really eloquently. Like I can, I can choose, I can choose life or I can choose, or like I can choose Richmond or I can choose death. Yes. Like essentially, <laughs> essentially what it boils down to is she can choose, uh, to live and have the life be really poor. Like uh-huh. have her quality of life be completely terrible because she is so depressed. Right. And she has been up until that point and up until frankly, like the day she died, yeah. not able to bring herself out of it. Right. Right. And that's, she essentially like she copes with it and cope is like a really strong word. Cause she doesn't actually cope with it. She just lives with it. Um, she, co- she quote unquote copes with it through, through her novels, through her writing, through her letters, through her journaling. Like that's how she sees the world. And that's how she experiences the world is through her written work. Yeah. Um, but what she is saying is that she really like, she could either choose to live a shitty life or she could end it and like be in peace essentially. Yeah. And no one gets it. Like no one understands it. Yeah. They keep talking about like, there's a lot of like some things it's just their time and we have to accept that. And in the movie, obviously it's referring to a lot of different things. It's like a bird that has died, et cetera. But it, it obviously circles back directly to like the women in this story. Um, not Clarissa Vaughn. She's the only one who isn't suicidal, but her friend at, played by Ed Harris is, and she's yeah. having a really hard time coping with that and like not making his want to die be about her. Yeah. Um, so it comes at it from a couple of different points of view. Um, and then, um, uh, Julianne's character yes. does like is again is extremely depressed and like does want to take her own life at one point there is a suicide attempt on her part yes and um, then she ultimately decides not yes. to it is ultimately unsuccessful yeah um so so yeah so there's like a just in general like a lot of a lot of a lot of death a lot of death adjacent in this film death adjacent yes death adjacent <laughs> <laughs> um but it handles it all like you said really really frankly and really honestly and just like uh, sometimes like really really alarmingly where you're kind of just yeah. like what? <laughs> okay that, <laughs> he really said that all right but i think i think where nicole like comes into this film and decides to really decides to make this film her her bitch frankly yes um because you have to understand that she is in a film with meryl fucking streep yeah and julianne moore and julianne moore 
So it's like, where do you go from here? Yeah. And frankly, what Nicole Kidman brings to the table is like a quiet storm Mm -hmm. that is so glorious and so thrilling to watch. She uses this fucking prosthetic on her nose that is just so good. And what do we know about prosthetics, frankly? Like, what do we know about like, special effects makeup and shit Mm -hmm. for whatever reason this nose transforms her entirely it changes her entire face i also think she's wearing colored contacts i think so too her eyes are still blue but they're like a darker blue yeah they're like a stormier blue which i think like adds to the whole it really changes her face uh, even more and you rarely get to see her as like a mousy brunette yes Um, and she's not you look at her and she's like not supposed to be beautiful like she's supposed to be like a little bit duller, not as shiny. And it's difficult because up until this point, yeah. we had only seen Nicole Kidman as like a Be fucking, fucking bombshell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Monica said this right before we started recording, but she's like, I think Nicole's better when she's not trying to be beautiful. And I think that's true. I don't think it's necessarily like a conscious attempt at her part. No, not at I all. But I think it's more that like, this is one of the first times she was allowed to play an ugly character. Like a character who could be all that she was and also was not beautiful and that really changed the game like it really allowed her to quite literally transform like she changes her voice and her gait and her face and she's just like so in this character and you can see that she is feeling all of the sorrow that Virginia Woolf is feeling at every step of the way and it makes the performance like incredibly unique incredibly specific and therefore all of her ideas about like death which you might not agree with but like it makes you listen to them and really go like fuck this is a human trying to explain to me the like the depths of their soul and i can't help but listen to them and take it as truth because of how in it she is yes and she brings like a quiet chaotic dignity to this role yeah oh yeah that is frankly like unprecedented like i don't think that a that someone like nicole like frankly i don't think anyone else could have done this role Mm -hmm. and when i when i watch a movie a lot of the times i as i'm watching it i think to myself like hmm could anyone else have done this role like could anyone else have stepped in and done this like at this level or or frankly like exceeded it and a lot of the times the answer is yes. Like <laughs> I'll replace a lot of people in my mind and I'll like recast films sometimes. Right. Um, obviously there are, there are multiple occasions where the answer is no. And that's, and frankly, those are the films that we talk about. Um, and those are the, like the people that we talk about that mm-hmm. have that, that kind of impact. It's why we talk about the people we talk about and why, frankly, we don't talk about other people. And I think that as far as, this movie is concerned and Nicole Kidman's performance, like the, she, she herself has a confidence in her own ability and in herself that shines through in this role, Mm -hmm. which is where like that dignity comes in that like confidence comes in that frankly, I don't think Virginia Woolf even had other than like in her own writing. Right. Like I'm sure she felt confident, like putting pen to paper and going at it yeah but what nicole kidman brings of her from her own personality that like confidence that dignity that like assurance it actually 
creates this like beautiful picture of Virginia Woolf, even if maybe that wasn't exactly her. Right. It's really beautifully juxtaposed with like how mousy and small she makes herself Mm -hmm. and like all of the assurance in her voice, even in the things that might not be as confident, like the things that she's saying that might not be as solidified still make me feel like really connected to her and like, I get what you're saying. Like, thank you. You, you have like an authority. Mm-hmm. You speak like you have an authority, but at the same time, you are also really disconnected from the world and not really, and like, you're really mousy and like, not really like, you're like a ghost of a person, but also like a confident ghost. Yeah. It's it, so hard. To well, it's explain. interesting because like Nicole Kidman is an artist embodying the life and body of another artist. And so that is a challenge all on its own. But like, it's interesting because when you, when you watch her and she's kind of like checked out of reality, the difference I think with, with Virginia Woolf specifically in just this role is that when she's checked out, it's not that she's just like, she's not just a person who's like flighty and disconnected. You can tell she goes somewhere else. Like her, sister um says it really beautifully she says like your aunt virginia is so lucky because she has the world that she's living in here with us and then she has her world of books which is so true because when she's in her mind she's like writing in her mind and she's going to these like these these various pits of thoughts and so you look at her and you're like i know you're not absent you're there but you're just somewhere else thinking about something incredibly deep which she just seems introspective at all times, which is a really interesting quality to see in a character because it's hard to track. But with her, it's like very easy to tell that she has gone somewhere. Well, it takes like a certain mental strength to like, (laughs) to like jump all of those hurdles and like go into these really deep like mind castles to like build shit out of, right? And so that's what, thank you by the way, because that's like what I was saying as far as, her confidence is real. Her ability is real. Her assurance is real. Like mm-hmm. she's a fucking badass at writing. Yeah. And that confidence is so we have to like toil yeah. to like get to that confidence. Yeah, totally. Like, w- the the Virginia Wolf that she shows us is obviously extremely disconnected, disjointed from reality, not really present. And we have to like fight to like see that. And yeah. Nicole does this beautiful job of like letting us peek through the curtain and like you see the wheels turning in her head and frankly i don't know how she does it um because it's crazy you'd think like it's very creepy for the camera to linger on her face yeah and, and like, she's like darting her eyes yeah. back and forth and, and just like and she looks like she's building something in her <laughs> head and you're just like okay i can watch this all day like i'm waiting for someone to come out with one of those like lo-fi beats youtube uh videos but it's just but it's just her Virginia eyes like Wolf, darting like, muttering like this is totally yes literally i'm waiting for someone to like come out with one of those like coffee shop oh vibes high definition like, yeah <laughs> But, but yeah, like, like you were saying, it is like such a confidence in her knowledge, which is why I think what I was saying earlier about like the concept of death being very like frank in this movie is because her sadness is conveyed in a very, very frank and confident manner, which is a weird way to describe sadness. But I think what I mean is that you, you're, you're just, she is so connected to the deep, like, 
turmoil that's inside of her, but it's not even turmoil or sadness, I think. I think it's just a very frank realization on her part that she's an extremely sensitive human being and doesn't connect to reality the same way that most people do. And that's what causes her depression. And she just like knows this about herself and is just like, yeah, this is, (laughs) I'm just not connected to this world the way that most people are. And that's just how I am. Well, it's wonderful to see Nicole like inject this performance with this frankly like dead performance with so much life. Yeah. Because she gets, she's like on this like vibration that she Mm -hmm. keeps herself out basically the entire film until she decides to end her own life or like, when we when we see her end her life, she like has like a piece about her, and right. then it's kind of over. The humming is gone, like the hum in her bones is gone. But I feel like she comes from a place of total and complete. Like she has such a high self esteem for specifically her brain, mm-hmm. for specifically like the places that she decides to go. And I think that in this movie, that confidence, like that self esteem, is what carries through, or it is is what we then relate back to the other women in the in this film mm-hmm. who are severely unconfident yes and like really unbelievably small in their own thinking of themselves like right. for example julianne moore's character is uh like has like a moment where she kisses another woman mm-hmm. and she finds it so freeing and so liberating for like half a second yeah. and then realizes like how crippling her life actually is. Yeah. Um, that she, like in just a fleeting moment, she was confident, but immediately retreated back into herself. Yeah, totally. And throughout the entire movie, she is completely like retreated and gone and seeing her and her, like she has no mind castle that she's building. No, she has no confidence in herself and no strength and like no, no understanding of where she's going to go from there Mm -hmm. versus Nicole Kidman's Virginia Woolf understands where she's going. No one, but no one will let her get there. Yeah. However, this is another thing that I really love about this movie is that you spend all this time with her and you're on her side the entire time. And then it kind of comes to the ahead at, with that scene at the train station where you finally get the input of her husband and he's going like, I fucking understand, but you're being selfish. Like, I understand how difficult this is for you, et cetera. But all the people who love you, who are around you have tried to do is accommodate you and try it. Because we love you, we want you around us. And there is no recognition of that. It's always just, we have to accommodate Virginia. And I think that's a really, really valid point to bring up because so much of like, of death and mental illness, et cetera. Like it becomes selfish. And I don't mean selfish in a negative way. Like it can't help but be selfish because it is about the self. But there is this whole other story of like, how is it affecting the people around you? And a lot of people don't talk about that. And then she finally like gets pissed about it. And she's just like, yeah, I haven't, essentially she says like, I haven't taken the time to think about how it would affect you because I can't even, cope with how it's affecting me like I so badly want to flip a switch and be different for you but I can't even do that for myself so that's not even a part of this conversation and in that moment it like really unites 
them in sadness and in anger against this thing that ultimately wins in the end because she just there is there's no way for her to be any different way and it's that's that I think is the more heartbreaking conversation is the no matter how much she wants to please others there's nothing that she can do but for her it's just like this is how it has to be like I'm simply not someone who's meant to live yeah there are, I think that there are people in this world that never get bored. Yeah. There are people in this world that always are just like in their heads. And there are people in this world that like truly fundamentally believe that it's too, it's much harder to live and continue living than it is to, um, you know, end it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that for her, it would be really, really unfair of us to be like, you fucking suck for like ending your life. Yeah. Like you've ruined it for everyone else. When in reality, like the only person she owes anything to, and this is like really evidenced by the film, is like herself. Mm-hmm. She only really owes anything to herself. Like she came into this world alone. She's exiting this world alone. And I think for her, it it made, it was almost like a, her being extremely kind to herself to like make it easier on her brain, make it easier on herself. And like, frankly, just like give herself a fighting chance at like being happy. Yeah. Because I think that in her mind, it's not overrated. Like Mm -mm. it's something that is incredibly pure. And like, she wants so desperately more than anything to the point that she will literally be like, maybe I'm just not meant to live in this life. I'm going to go to the next one and see if that'll make me happy. And like the chance is worth it. Like even if there's truly nothing on the other side and she just, it's like over, Mm -hmm. she's like, at least I would have tried to make like made the attempt of happiness. Yeah. And Nicole Kidman, frankly gets it. She like does. she fucking gets it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really, this is her best role. Yeah. Like Hands period, down. period, end of discussion. This is Nicole Kidman's best role. She has not done anything in my opinion since then. That's like had, that's captured her range yeah. in this way. That's captured her nuance in this way. Like yeah. it's specifically the nuance for me. Yeah. I mean, this is also just incredibly good material. It, this is, this is one of like that piece is one of those pieces of source material that it really is like once in a lifetime. Um, it, because it's just so beautiful. I really, really want to read the book, but the movie is incredible. Like, there's so many little things and like parallels and references to Mrs. Dalloway that I missed last time that I got this time that are like perfect and such a good part of the story. And like, I love that Meryl Streep is almost like she represents the audience in a way. Like you're kind of on her side the whole time of like, yeah, like don't let your friend kill himself. That would fucking suck. And which is how we feel about Virginia Woolf and about Julianne Moore. Like, please don't do that. And then eventually after enough chatter towards the end, she is finally realizing like, like sometimes people are fucking tired and we have to allow them to take control of their lives and dictate what is their time to do whatever it is that they want to do in their life, whether that's 
live, go on a walk or die, you know, like whatever it might be. And she finally, finally realizes that in a very painful way at the end of the movie. Um, and I think that we, the audience like parallel her character and it's, uh, it's just such a good movie. It's just like, so fucking good. This got Nicole Kidman, her Academy award yes. or Oscar for best actress. And <laughs> frankly, <laughs> well deserved well fucking deserved girl there's n- there will be no arguments here yeah, her no her complaints. Pros- i hope she kept that nose prosthetic i like, hope so too. i hope it's like in a shadow box like hanging on her wall or something in a jar of formaldehyde oh, i don't i hope it's virginia wolf's real nose <laughs> <laughs> not her real nose sorry mummified i can't they only mummified her nose listen she would think that was funny she would <laughs> She would find like, it amusing. Yes, that's amusing. Hilarious. Oh my God. I love this movie. I don't know, you guys. You Honestly, it's one of those, uh, what do the kids say? If you know, you know. If you know. Like, I-Y-K, Y-K. I-Y-K, Y-K. Like, <laughs> like, if you know, you, you know. Um, you have to watch this movie before you, you gotta. die. Like, it's one of those movies where you think it's going to be boring? It's not. I fucking swear. <sighs> Frankly, the trailers make it seem boring as fuck. Yeah, but it's a really good movie. The poster makes it seem boring as fuck. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. The odds the odds stacked against this movie. Yeah. But if you break through the bad marketing, you get to this beautiful little Kinder Egg. Yeah. You mean Kinder Egg? Whatever. Kinder Egg. The ones with the cream in it. You bite it, there's cream. Do you that mean one. Cadbury egg or Cadbury Kinder egg? egg. There are that two one. eggs. <laughs> How many eggs are there? Kinder and Cadbury. Both of them are British eggs. One is not. One is, I think, like Swedish or Belgian or some shit. Kinder is. Okay, they're both European eggs. Well, yeah, they're both European. Which one's the British egg? Cadbury. I'm talking about, does that one have cream? Yeah. It's that one. That's okay. the one. Cadbury egg. Kinder eggs are the ones that have surprises in them. Get- Oh, that that must be a fucking choking hazard. That's why they're not legal in the US. <laughs> <laughs> they actually might be now. I think I've the seen them. The more you nor, the more you coals. <laughs> the more you nickel. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> I was literally going to say don't sue us. <laughs> oh my God. Because you no, said and on that note. I was like, you're the best, Monica. <laughs> That's what on. we say, remember? Yes. Sorry, it's so like in my body that it's like that's why I say daddy all the time. It's gonna take some getting. I like had to stop myself from saying daddy one time, and it literally broke my thought because I was gonna be like, she's such a, and I had to be like, um, a boy, yeah. I I have had to make a. I think we can call people daddies. Okay, yeah, I agree. And now it's time to shout out our best boy. Except there is no best boy. Yeah, I was going to say, we did a little bit of research on the hours. Uh, They don't have a best boy listed. However, we're just going to go ahead and shout out the director of photography because this is fucking beautiful. A beautiful film. A stunning film. And that that is my boy, Seamus McGarvey. Yeah, Seamus, you rock. Uh, I read it as Seamus. It's not. It's not. It's Seamus McGarvey. Oh, he did Cyrano. He did Cyranor, which was a stunning Wait, film. I feel it though. He also did Atonement, which was fucking incredible. Someone to say, 
Wait, what is the song the that they sing? That the, the, the that song, right? The, the waiting for someone to say to say. They sing a couple different ones, but the main one is like the. Is it like the I do something? I don't know. No, hold on. In the Avengers, I don't care. Oh, who gives a fuck? This movie is a blur to me. <laughs> like. Okay, let's just end it while we're ahead. If we're, I think we're behind at this point. I'm uh, kidding. Aaron, don't sh- don't nod. Wow, that was really <laughs> fucked up. And that was really fucked up how you nodded and uh, shit. Peter Dinklage should do more like leading man roles. That I was mean, a good I movie. agree, but I have a sneaking suspicion it's not him who's not taking them. Hmm, that's so mm-hmm. true. Hmm. Anyway. Hollywood to do better. All right, Monica, you're the best. You're the best, Jessica. I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.